Hi, Steve Addison here for the Movements Podcast. The podcast for people who want to multiply disciples and churches everywhere. Today we're in Southern California getting an update from JT Timblin. It's been exciting. I think locally and then our Southern California network has gone through some shifting. And in that shifting, we're seeing new people rise up and fill spots with people that God has called into the nations overseas. So I'd say, you know, five years into this work, we see, I think it's over, I think 23 individuals that we've sent overseas from the network directly. And um, as soon as we send our best, God brings up even better in a lot of ways, like to fit what the need is. And we continue to see God provide. And that's been really exciting. We just heard a, um, a story the other day. There was a young man that got raised up in a local university, came to Christ. He was from China. And um, he found Jesus, got baptized, got trained, sent him back to his homeland. And a year to the day from when they sent him, God brought somebody else through another person in the network from that same country to continue to run with the local ministry that's happening in that language group. And it was just really wasn't anything we thought about or planned. It just God's provision continues to come through the ranks. And it's really fun to just try to navigate and abide and ask God what he's doing next and see what he wants to do. Um, we've learned, and we talked about this last Thursday, that the catalyst for new growth seems to be launching people into the nations. And it's just been locally, globally, there's there's ownership. We have a our local community, Neighbors and Nations, is a as a, a network of churches, but we gather on Sundays as well. And almost every one of our churches now is involved in supporting global work and financially and through prayer. And they, they adopt a, a region, adopt a, a, a strategy coordinator, and they become uh, connected. And then we've seen those connections develop relationships which develops um, them going and, and leaving here to go into those, those areas that where the gaps are. There's a link between sending people to the nations, and you've sent 20 or more to the nations, and local breakthroughs. Yes, a direct connection. And I think it's, it's because it's become normal now. Like we're commissioning people pretty rapidly. So the new Christians, the new people out of the harvest that come into the network, that's what they believe everybody does because that's what they see modeled. And so as they're coming in, people are launching out. So they think, well, that's normal. So it's okay for them to do it. It's actually expected because that's part of the DNA of what we see happening. And that's been a lot of fun. The same with the multiplication of the churches. Now we have work to point to and say, hey, how's our granddaughter? How's our daughter? How's, how's, that, how's the church going? And we have them come into these churches that have been launched out by now, they're all new people in the church because we've sent out and multiplied. So they just know that that's what is expected. That's that's part of the work. And so we have work to point to, which makes it a lot more fun. It's not just theory, it's people. And we have 
real life people coming in and visiting churches and talking about when they came to Christ at UCLA and somebody shared the gospel with them and they got involved in a network of house churches. And now they're coming back from Kenya as they're reaching Sudanese immigrants and they're coming back to report that. And that was the pathway. So somebody that's sitting in the room that just found Christ through a campus ministry or through a neighbor, they're like, oh, okay, that could be me too. Because mm-hmm. they have people to see that fleshed out. Yeah. Okay. So all, all those pastors' messages on tithing that you preach, you know, give and it'll be given unto you, they, they, they apply to giving away people. Yes, it does. I think so. Big part of my culture and ministry for 25 years was how do I hold on to the best? And if I get someone super talented, I want to make sure they stay. And and how do I keep them in in my program? Mm. And we've learned that that is the opposite of what we see in Scripture. But it's also not what really develops catalytic work because it, it actually stifles them as well. And so, yeah, we're learning that as we go, that we're seeing it with real life examples. And you mentioned the, uh, the Neighbors and Nations, which was originally it was one church, is now multiplied out into multiple uh, churches that gather. What was that monthly they gather or? Uh, weekly. Weekly they gather. So churches happening out in the community, but we. We gather together. We, how has that gone? It's gone well. Um, I, what I call this right now, I think we're at the beginning of our fourth wave. So when we first started wanting to focus on multiplying disciples and multiplying churches, we had an initial group that's like, oh, yeah, we want to do this. And they were usually the missionaries or the ones that already had a heart for that. Then we had a second wave of people saying, wow, they're not changing. And they started listening. Then we had a third wave through residencies and raising up people. Um, and these are all people that are still were a part of this legacy uh, church. But then last weekend, we gathered together around tables for 12 and a half hours. We are in God's word, literally. you know. So we're gathered for 14 hours, 12 and a half of those. We were sitting around tables doing discovery Bible study. What are the patterns of Jesus? What are the patterns of acts? And I'm seeing these people at the tables kind of come alive and they say, I've never seen them before. And they're asking questions like, how did they, how did the church get together every day? And so, and we just let them sit with it. We didn't wrap it up. We didn't give them diagrams. We just said, what, what do you see? What do you see? And we kept facilitating and leading. And at the end, we said, we're not even going to wrap this up. We're going to let this sit for a few weeks. And the discussions now, uh, people are coming up and they're saying, I can't get that out of my head. When I saw, you know, how there was a releasing of baptism, releasing of leadership, there was an appointing of elders rapidly and quickly. And it was just the word did the work. And we still don't know what's going to happen totally, but we're going to have some long, larger discussions again. And but in the house churches, it's buzzing. And then the gathering on the Sunday, uh, when we gather on a normal site, it's buzzing again. And it, it was really fun. I've never, I've done trainings like that with people that want to do it. But this time we just asked everybody and anybody. And here's the neat thing that happened. I wanted to make it so remove all excuses. So we said, it's going to be free. It's going to be local. 
and we're going to provide childcare. But the people that provided the food and the childcare were the networks, the other networks in Los Angeles area. So they came and served our little network and just to do it. So that gave us an example to point to. They say, who are these people watching our children? We're saying, oh, they're just in a network down the street or on the next freeway. And they came to serve the body of Christ. Like Southern California, there's 23 million people in five counties. And that's a large field, very dense field. And so we're trying to go after that. And so the story briefly was there were three full-time NPL workers that came in and kind of came alongside and trained and helped us and served us and really washed our feet. And one by one, they've been called into the uh, to other places, uh, uh, Southeast Asia and different parts of the world. And the last full-time worker is now being called in a few months out. And we just gathered the leaders together. And again, thinking of my Western hat, I was thinking, okay, who's going to rise up and be the leader? But I looked around the room and it, it was like we were all shoulder to shoulder and God flattened the leadership. And honestly, everybody in the room that's stepping up, we're, we're all by vocation. Um, and it's, it's, it's okay to be, you know, full-time, of course, you know, Paul did that, Jesus did that. But I think the bulk of the leadership now is going to be a sustainable bivocational core of leaders that are working and serving one another. And we have a network of networks that's coming alongside and, and troubleshooting, learn from each other, encouraging one another, serving one another. And it's going to be exciting to see what, what comes out of it. Yeah, we have... Um, some UPGs that we're really going after with um, purpose. And we're going after Little India down the street, Little Arabia on the other side of the freeway. And with that intentionality, um, we're able to raise up, train up someone who knows the culture, knows the language, and they go back to their people and they're ready to run. And so the world has come to Los Angeles county and orange county and more and more so and worked um by looking for that um and we we were praying for somebody to serve we thought god was going to provide something and god provides somebody from a different country with a different but it's exactly what we need and a quick story there's a woman from our community that had a heart to reach afghan refugees and so she put a team together. We prayed. We thought God was going to bring us a family to assimilate that were from a Muslim background and to, to love on and just serve in the name of Jesus. Instead, through a series of crazy circumstances, God brought us a 39-year-old believer from Iran who was a religious refugee who is already trained um, as a follower of Jesus but never did multiplying churches and he's now become the, one of the key leaders to help us reach people from, you know, from the uh, Persian background that are so close. So, again, we reached out in faith with God put on our heart, but he gave us completely different people and circumstances that would better fit what God was already planning to do. And um, yeah, if I were to, yeah, his story is, is so miraculous that there's no question that God brought him into this network and we get to raise him up and serve him and, and learn from him. But he's so excited about returning back to his homeland 
to multiply churches and disciples. We'll just call him Ali. And he had been here for about six weeks in this country. And he met one of the people on our team who sits in coffee shops and he started a conversation with Ali. And he started to invite himself. First, he invited him over, uh, Ali over to his home. And Ali said, I've been here six weeks and no one's ever engaged in a conversation with me. You're the first American. Secondly, you're by far the first person ever invited me into your home. And then right away, Ali invites him into his home. And they start to engage in their faith and engage in the gospel. And, you know, slowly, Ali's starting to open up the word of God and read the word of God and do discovery Bible study and to see. And it starts, though, just because someone's willing to step out in a conversation with with purpose, going to a, a, a kind of a temple area like we see in Acts and saying, how do who, who has God brought to me today that I could love on and care for? You know, what's happening from the people that we're launching now, it creates open space for new people to step into that probably never would if there wasn't space to do that. And so, and it's usually younger men and women that didn't have, in their mind, didn't have the ability or the, the role to do so. And what's so exciting about the NPL network and the, and how we're, we're striving to unleash leaders and multiply leaders, it gives them that space. And they're coming up with creative ideas that none of us would have come up with. They're coming up with, and they're networking in their oikos in arenas that so many others would never do. Um, one of the things we challenge our churches all the time, we say, who is close to, that's far from God, that's close to you, that would sit in your living room, but would not sit in this living room right now? And they come up with some day. Okay, maybe you should start a church in your living room so that they'd have a place to sit and hear the gospel and be church. And then we had a leader say, but what if we asked who is far from God that's not in this living room that would allow you to sit in their living room and go right to them as a person of peace? So it's these, these stories where like they're coming up with these creative ideas that we never even talked about. Because they never had the space, really, never felt they had the space to lead out. And it's been so exciting to see um, another young man say, hey, why don't we get together all as many leaders in the network and get away for the weekend in the mountains? And he lined up, you know, cabins and homes and put it all together. And, and he has a vision. He says, let's go do it. And, and he put it all together. And people are, are going to be swarming to the mountains in two weeks. And um, again, it's he's like, my vision is for just to be relational and for somebody from the outside to hear what's happening and then all weekend and then speak into the network and, and, and give their input and for us to connect. And, and again, I just feel like God is developing something that none of us thought about. And it's taking on a form of its own within this, this network of networks. And the value of that is how we can learn from their emphasis and their emphasis, um, it's just been a lot of fun. We have one man who's just got a heart uh, for launching people into the nations. Well, he's the one who tends to be the one that people go to to say, hey, I have this heart for this nation, what do you think? But then we have this other group of shepherds that are developing uh, tools 
uh, for shepherding tools and how do we deal with conflict in our churches? And they go to the shepherds and they develop with that. And the value of a network compared to a few house churches is you have those resources and we have a common vision and we have this, uh, the four fields is our clear path. And so it's been a lot of fun to watch marriages come back together. We've watched, um, what else have we seen? Um, yeah, uh, yeah, people in, in, that are grieving, that have lost loved ones, and they're being loved on by another group of churches because of the network. Yeah, so the network has grown um, wide. And right now what we're doing is looking for gaps. So I would say, uh, I think the last count was uh, 39 churches identify as church in the network in um, five counties um, in, certainly the Spanish network is starting to really take off. You know, Los Angeles County is 51% Spanish speaking. Wow. And so if we're not reaching the Spanish speakers, we're not finishing the task. And so we're seeing the Spanish brothers coming alongside and being, you know, leaders in the network now. And we have to give them space to lead. So the world that I live in, Steve, is a hybrid world. And so a lot of my house church friends um, really never go to the legacy church by rose that a lot of my church by row friends never really go into the, the house church world. And I always pray, why do you have me in this space, Lord? And, and what I've discovered in the patterns of Jesus, and the patterns of Paul, the first place Jesus goes is the synagogue. The first place Paul, Peter, Paul and Peter go to the synagogue. So I really believe we're in this space where there are God fearing people where, you know, we still have this cultural fiber in America, in Southern California even, that church is a place people go. So the other day we were in our gathering of churches and a young man came in and had a hoodie on and he was just, you could just tell he wasn't comfortable. So I went up and talked to him and I, turns out he lost his wife a month ago. He had two young daughters, tragically lost his wife. And we started to talk and he started to break down and um, I said, he said he's never been in a church before, um, in a church service. I said, what brought you here? Why are you here? He said, my best friend got married in this church 12 years ago. It's the only church building I've ever been to. So I came here this morning. So we started to share with him. And a week later, well, about four days later, he accepts Jesus as a savior. He comes back, he comes to our house church that next week, I invited to our house church. And he was loved on, his daughters were cared about. And he comes that next Sunday morning, we're having a baptism in the gathering time. And um, my, uh, the guy that was teaching, I wasn't teaching, I said, hey, offer baptism to anybody to come talk to me if they wanna get baptized. He had never heard of baptism, never seen it. He was, as soon as this, this, this speaker said, if anybody wants baptism, you feel like God's leading you, if you're a follower of Jesus, go talk to JT in the back. He comes back, he goes, I wanna do this. I said, what? He says, I feel like I should be baptized. I said, do you know what that means? He said, no. So I spent about half an hour going over the scriptures with him and he understand and he was a, he was a new Christian. And um, so anyway, he gets, uh, he walks up and he goes, well, I don't have a shirt. I didn't bring change of clothes. I said, just take your shirt off. He said, JT, I am tattooed from, from neck to my toes. 
I'm like, don't, don't, we don't care. And so he takes his shirt off and there's like this beautiful hush, like not that it was bad, but different. And he ends up um, just, you know, saying, I want to get baptized. I want to follow Jesus. This is why, and you know, I'm following Jesus. I want people to know. So anyway, he goes through baptism and right there was a stretch for some of our legacy, you know, normal people that just come on Sundays. I said, okay, that's going to stretch it. Well, the next week, he, he said he wanted his daughters came up, young daughters, first grade, third grade. And they said, we want to be baptized. We said, why? He said, we want to follow Jesus like our dad. And we, we chose to follow him. We want to tell everybody. So now we're having this young man baptize his daughters who just got baptized. And it was such a beautiful picture of what we do in house churches. But to do that in the larger gathering, it's, it's just given this, this work to point to him and say, you can do this because that's what the, they did in the New Testament. And it's just this precious picture. And because he comes to Sunday gathering, but he's also tied into a house church now, we know that he's, um, he's being held accountable. He's growing in his faith and his daughters are being loved in an intimate way weekly during the week. But they also come to a larger gathering on Sundays. And so an older gentleman said, hey, can you give me his number? I want to walk with him. And so, yeah, here's his number. And so he said, hey, he calls him up. He said, hey, I, I saw you get baptized. I'd like to walk with you. And, and Ronnie goes, I don't know what you're talking about. That's my speaking Chinese to me. He says, I never had a dad. I've never been loved before. I never had a community. I don't even know what that means. And so we're walking this out. This is fresh. Just happened. So we're walking this relationship out. In the midst of this brokenness, here's a young man that never been to church, never had a community, didn't know Jesus. Now he's got an entire community and network coming alongside him and his girls to just love on them as they grieve the loss of their mother. And it's just been this, again, those are the reasons I get up in the morning. That's why I keep doing the things that I do. That's why I'm in this hybrid world, because there are those Ronnies out there in our culture that he probably never would have shown up even on my, my living room couch unless I knew him personally. But he came to a place that he thought that maybe he could be loved and it happened to be a building. But then I could tell you 10 other stories of people that I work with in my construction business that would never come to a building, but they'll come to my living room because I have a relationship with them. And so we believe that God has called us specifically, not everybody, to live in both worlds in this culture. And, and to multiply house churches, but also have a space for a gathering that's, that's also, also a part of our culture where people can come and be a part of, of the community of Christ. Well, thanks for listening. And if you're enjoying the Movements podcast, please help us get the word out to others through social media and by leaving a review wherever you get your podcast from. This has been Steve Addison for the Movements Podcast.